was called in by a physician this week. He says, Pastor, I've got a lady that's here that I don't really know what to do with. Can you help? So I went to the clinic and met with her, this lady and her daughter. And I said, share with me what's going on. Tears streaming down her cheeks. The lady said, my husband and I had just finished building our, our new house. We were moving our new furniture, our furniture into the house. Drove the truck with the trailer on the back and just pulled up in front of our new house and a young man, a neighbor, came running out yelling and screaming because the street in front of the houses is not finished. It's still dirt. And the dust was blowing up. And the young man didn't like the dust blowing up into the air and took it out on this man, 68-year-old man who was thrown down to the ground. And the young man began to choke him and killed him over dust. This world is sick. People are looking for something or they're angry about something in their life and they're doing sick things trying to make their life better. I've got to ask you some questions this morning. What are you lacking in your life right now? What, what is it you need that you try and try to fulfill that need, but it just doesn't seem to be able to work out? Do you need love? just seems like no one seems to be able to love me in that special way that I need. I can't even find it from my spouse. I, I just need someone to love me. My heart just... It doesn't have the joy that it would have if someone was to love me the way I feel I need to be loved. Are you, are you searching for acceptance or uh, approval from others? I, I, if, if only I could be recognized by someone else for what I do, like at work. Or if I could be recognized by my own children as much work as I put out in the family and it just doesn't seem to be enough and they don't seem to appreciate me. Or if I, I do all kinds of things in the church and it just seems like the church doesn't appreciate. Do you need that approval? Is, is, is it there and you just can't seem to find that acceptance that you're looking for? Maybe you're looking for some type of, of value in life to do something that's significant 
to, to somehow find what is my purpose here? What, what is my, my meaning in life? Um, I, I'm just not, I'm just kind of wandering around in darkness and I don't know what to do or where to go. Or, but there's just something that's missing. Maybe I'm, I'm lacking in self-esteem and, and I think that no one really cares or if they really knew me, they, they just wouldn't, they really wouldn't appreciate me. Maybe you're searching for a, a place of safety. If only I could find this security, this, this place where I can be, where I just feel safe, um, a, a place of refuge from the problems that seem to plague me. This, if, if I could just be protected if I could have some sense of, of well-being, some sense of self-assurance. I feel insecure and I, and I would like to have some guarantees in life or some type of protection or some type of, if I could only gain confidence either in myself or in others, they, they seem to be turning against me. Pray for this lady, because I'm going to be meeting again with her next week. But she's feeling abandoned. You see, she said, my husband was my life, and now my life's gone. I don't have any friends, she said. My family's too far away. She has this need now within her heart and she just can't seem to find anyone, any place. She says, if I go back to my new house, it reminds me. I don't have any security because that neighbor is still there. By the way, the police didn't do anything. And so he still lives in the neighborhood. They say, we're investigating, whatever that means. And so she doesn't have any security. She doesn't have a church. She said, I used to go to church when I was a little girl, but I haven't been to church in years. I don't have any support. Have I hit a, a note of any desires within some of you today? I'm looking for something, but I just don't know quite what it is. And when I think I've found it, it doesn't fill the need. I'm, I'm on a quest in life, but I can't seem to find that pot at the end of the rainbow. If only I could have some of these needs met... I could face the everyday problems. I wouldn't be so stressed out. Well, you want to know something? I, as a pastor, have some of the same needs. If only, if only. You know, that's, that seems to be our favorite catchphrase. If only. If only I was younger. 
If only I was better looking. If only I had more money. If only I was to go to the promised land in Hawaii. If only. Today we're going to start a search. This Sabbath and Sabbaths following as well too. We're going to try to see if we can discover by looking in the Bible at certain individuals who have all said, if only, or have felt some of these same needs, and what was it that they discovered? What, how did they find to be able to fill this need inside of them, even at times when the rest of their world is falling apart? We're going to go on a search, on a quest for this something special. How can I get my needs met? So this morning I have chosen Jacob. And we're going to look at a little bit of his life. We're going to see some of his needs. We're going to see his reactions when God first comes in. And then we're going to see how it, he changed later on. We know the story of Jacob, a twin. He had a twin brother, Esau, who was the firstborn. We know that Jacob later on in life manipulated his brother into giving up his birthright for a pot of lentils. We know that Jacob did some deceptive things in taking the blessing away from Esau, from his father who could not see, from, from, from getting that blessing that was supposed to go to the firstborn. You want to know how this affected his brother Esau? Take your Bibles if you would. Genesis 27. Genesis 27. You're supposed to get support from your family, aren't you? Genesis 27. And we want to begin with verse 41. So Esau, that's his twin brother, hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand. My, my dad's about, he's getting old, he's about to die. And then look, Then I will kill my brother Jacob. You imagine your twin brother plotting to kill you. What do you think Jacob's feeling now? I mean, he, yeah, he brought it on himself. He listened. He deceived. But now he's beginning to feel rejection by his own twin brother who is so angry he's making plans to kill him. Look at verses 42 and 43. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. That's their mother, 
So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. He's not going to get his security from his mother. She's saying, leave home. Get out of the house. Feeling hatred. And now his own mother's asking him to leave. His sense of security is gone. The one who has always told him what to do, has given him advice, is telling him to leave. He's leaving the protection of his mother. He's leaving his father. Probably feels unloved by his brother. He probably feels rejection, that rejection by his brother and now by his parents. He has, no longer has the sense of security of home. He no longer has the sense of security of his family. He has to leave his friends, his hometown. He's got to go to a strange country, to a place he's never been before, and he's got to go there. And then what about my actions? I am the one that was deceiving my brother. I am the one that has, has caused my father to, to wrongfully give me this blessing. He probably is now thinking, you know what? I not only have to leave my home, I have to leave my family, I have to leave my friends, but does God even want me? Has God abandoned me? Now, you can't tell me you haven't thought that before yourself. Has God abandoned me? He doesn't like me for what I've done. He's going to punish me. I've heard you say it. I've said it myself. When things go wrong, oh God, God, why are you punishing me? In other words, I'm saying, you don't even like me, God. Now Jacob's away from his home. He's out in the darkness, out in the elements, and it's night. And he's surrounded by darkness. And he can hear the wild animals outside. And he's exhausted. And so he doesn't have a bed. He has to sleep on the ground, and the pillow is a rock. And he starts to sleep. And it's then that Jacob has this encounter with God. We know what it is. I'm, I'm sure that in this insecure human mind, this young man has believed that God is so angry at him because of his acts of manipulation and his, his cowardly deceptions he's used against his brother and against his father Probably not only if they're angry that God's angry with him is going to punish him. We all know that God's expectation for his children is that of fairness and courage and honesty. But listen, look what God does. Genesis chapter 28 now, beginning with verse 12. 
Then he that's Jacob dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, now he's talking to Jacob, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Does it sound like God has rejected him? He's making a promise to a deceptive, deceiving scoundrel and says, I want to tell you something. I'm the God of heaven. I've been with your grandfather. I've been with your father. I've led them. And let me tell you something. I know all about you. I know what you like. But listen to this. This land that you're sleeping on right now is your land. This is the promised land for you, dear Jacob. God is revealing Himself to Jacob and He's telling him, I'm your God. He promises him a, a, a life where, where he's going to have children. Let's continue on. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Those are the promises to God to a scoundrel. Those are promises to God to a sinner. Those are promises to, to, from God to a young man that is cast out of his home, whose brother hates him, whose brother is plotting to kill him, doesn't have the security of his home. He's sitting out here in the middle of the night, wild animals around him. It's dark. He's feeling bad. He's, he's feeling like God isn't there, and God says, I'm with you. You would think that when God opens up and, and shares with him, and he's standing up there, and he says, look, this land is yours. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with your descendants. I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be your God. Here I am. He would jump up and say, praise the Lord. Isn't that what you would do? Wouldn't you jump up if you had God open up the heavens and you jump up and start yelling praises to Him? It sounds to me like God loves Jacob. And, and, and you would think that Jacob would accept this love. You would think that Jacob would, would, would say, you know, this is tremendous. Having this encounter, having these promises. Look at what Jacob does. Genesis 28, verses 16 and 17. At first glance, it looks good, but look at this. Genesis 28, 16 and 17. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Well, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Duh. Verse 16, or verse 17. And he was afraid. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's what? He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It almost sounds like he's saying, Wow, this is really a fantastic place. But look what he's feeling. 
Look what he's feeling towards this God that has just made all those wonderful promises. Ah! I'm afraid! How many times has God blessed us and we're still walking away from God afraid of Him? How many times that God has an encounter with us and we do not accept that encounter? How many times have we gone through the motions? Jacob's going through the motions. I'm going to build a pillar here. I'm going to take this rock I had my head on. I'm going to build this this pillar here and we're going to worship God and everything's going to be all right. We go through the motions, but we still haven't changed inside. We're still afraid. Let's go to verses 20 and 21. Then Jacob made a vow saying, now look at this vow. If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Did you notice the word if? If God will be with me, if He keeps me, if He gives me my food and clothes, if He brings me back home, then He will be my God. He's still not accepting God as a personal God that's going to do these things to him. He still feels a void inside of him. He still feels an emptiness inside of him. He still is afraid. He's afraid of everything. He is not sure that God's going to fulfill those promises. Oh, brothers and sisters, how many times have we seen promises in God's Word and we said there, if only God would do that for me. The Bible says that God doesn't lie. When I am saying if, I am placing doubt and I am still feeling empty inside. How can God fulfill my needs? How can I have my needs met? if I can't even trust God's Word. Well, I can go through the motions and I can say the right words and I can build the right things, but when I can't even trust God, then how do I expect anything's going to happen? So, how then does Jacob, who's standing there saying, if God will do this, if He'll do this, if He'll do this, then I'll be my God... How can that type of a person change to be a person who's willing to follow God wherever he wants to go? That's what we need to discover. That's what I need to discover is how can I go from this where I even doubt God's Word, how can I go from there to being a person who is going to be changed and have my needs met and rely upon God? There's a word that gets us from here to over to here 
And it's what I've got to discover. And this word is a word we often use. We often bounce off to each other. We say it sometimes in our church. We sing it when, we, when we're singing our hymns. But we really don't know what it means, nor do we know how, what it takes to get from here to over here, where I can begin to be fulfilled in all my needs within God. And that word is grace. For you see, I am saved by grace through faith. But I don't know what that means. I don't know what it takes. What is this thing called grace? It is an experience that we have that brings us from here to here. It is an encounter that we have with God that brings us from here to here. And I can't tell you what that encounter is, or I can tell you what it is in my life, but it may not be in your life. And you can sit there and say, that sounds great, Pastor, but it doesn't work for me. That's because it's an experiential encounter with God, and it's different in different people. And that's why for the next few weeks we're going to look at individuals to see what it is that God is doing and how it is in, in their experience that, that changed them so that I can be helped to know what it is that I am looking for and how I can be changed. What is it that happened? When can I get rid of all those ifs about God and to say, God, I trust in you and you only and mean it? Not just say it, but mean it. Twenty years have passed. Now Jacob has two wives. Not only has two wives, he's got a couple of concubines off the side as well, too. Got all these children, 11 boys and one girl. He's become a wealthy shepherd. We would say in our terms today, he's made it. He is a successful person. If only I could be at a success like him. If only I could have wealth. If only, whoops, be careful what you say. If only I could have concubines, we won't go that far. But he's successful. The problem is he still hasn't changed inside here. Because success in the world does not fill the void that you're lacking inside your heart. The things that you do in this world will not fill the void that you have within your heart. Young people who are thinking of getting married, let me tell you something. Your spouse will not fill the void that you want in your heart. Whoa. Can I say that and still go home this afternoon? Sure I can. Do you know why? Because my wife is looking for someone to fill the void in her life, and I can't do it. God can, but I can't. But she and I are looking for the same thing. So what is it 
What is it I can do? What is it that can change? And these 20 years have passed. I want you to see first something very interesting about his wife Leah. To give you an example. Jacob had married her first. Did he love her? No. That wasn't whom he thought he was marrying. There's this deception. By the way, when you deceive, deception comes back again to haunt you. Your sins will find you out. And, and so here's a deceiver, and he's been deceived. Here he is married now to Leah, but he keeps her, and he works, and he finally gets his wife. But Leah is still his wife, and so we want to see, we want to see what she felt. After Leah had given birth to a son, and they named him Reuben, look what Leah said. Genesis 29, and look starting at verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. Notice who opened her womb. It was God. God's working. By the way, she is a pagan. But God still blesses her. Do you know that God even blesses people who have not yet believed in God? He's blessed her. He's opened her wound, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore, listen to this, now therefore, since I've had this baby, it's his first child, and it's a son. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Hmm. Look what she's looking for. I'm looking for someone to love me, and I can't even find it in my own spouse. Two births later, look what Leah is saying. Genesis 29 and verse 34. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name will be called Levi. Three sons. And she says, Now he'll love me. She's still saying the same thing. She's still looking for that love and she can't find it. Take a look now, Genesis 30 and verse 20. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. He, every time she has a baby, every time she has a son, she's sitting there and said, now my husband's going to love me. Now my husband's going to love me. Now my husband's going to love me. Guess what? He doesn't love her. She even says, God has blessed me. But she's looking to the wrong person to fill the need. She's recognizing that God's doing things, but instead of saying, wow, God loves me, that's all that matters. She's saying, boy, I sure hope that my husband will love me the way I need. I sure got this 
void in my heart. I, I need it filled. I, I need to know, to be reassured that He accepts me and that He loves me, that He recognizes that I'm there, and maybe we'll get some type of sense of security because of knowing that He appreciates and loves me. But each time she brings on a child, it doesn't work. The love we desire and the needs that we need in our heart in order to fill this void can only come from God and not from someone else. Do you know why? Because we're looking for, for some of the same things, the same needs in each of our lives, and I cannot fulfill it in your life, and you can't fulfill it in my life. I cannot fulfill that need with a rich bank account. Some of the, the, the loneliest people in the world are some of the people that are the richest. Some of the longing people who are longing for friends are looking for true friendship and can't find it because they have all these riches, they have all these things, and they got these vultures that come around that say, I want your riches, so I'm going to be your friend. You can't find it. You can't move to a place that's going to be the nicest place in the world. You think, oh, I'm going to move where my children are, and it's going to be Shangri-La. I can see the disappointments in the faces of their mothers who live close to their children who are going up, who says, if this is Shangri-La, I don't want to live here. The ones we expect to love us. So maybe if I can do something to work, and I will work, and I will work, and I will become a success, and I will get my needs met, and I'll have everything that I want. And you work so hard until you ruin your family life, you ruin your health, you ruin everything. Let me tell you, you can't do it. Folks, there are still people sitting in this church today that says, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this for the Lord because the Lord won't let me get into heaven. I can get a good report card with at least a somewhat passing grade, maybe even a D plus, somehow God will unlock the back door of heaven and leave the gate open ajar just enough for me to slip in. Many marriages are destroyed because we expect the spouse to fill the void of our hearts. It can only come from God. Jacob takes his family and his servants and his livestock and his money, all the things he's worked for, and he heads for home. And along the way as he's heading for home, he gets news. Esau's coming. What? Esau's coming. Oh. And he's got 400 men with him. And he's coming to see you. Oh, man. How's Jacob going to face 400 men plus his brother? Remember what God said. God said to Jacob that he would return home again and that God would not leave him, would not leave him alone, that God would protect him. 
surely that would be the comfort that Jacob needed in his heart to give him encouragement and to give him peace. Genesis 32 and verse 7. Genesis 32 and verse 7. So Jacob was greatly comforted, right? He was afraid. He was afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two companies and he sent them off their way. He had also had, had sent messengers, messengers to go to Esau and say, you know, here's a whole bunch of donkeys and here's a whole bunch of camels and here's a whole bunch of sheep. Surely that's going to buy and, and, and make him love me. And, and let go. How many times have we used money to try to buy appreciation and it doesn't work? And Jacob is buying, trying to buy it. He's feeling hopeless. He's feeling helpless. He's feeling afraid. He's feeling desert, uh, deceived. And, and he's trying to, to do everything that he thinks is possible to give him some sense of security and to keep his brother from killing him. You know what, he, what Jacob did, like all of us do when we get to a point where we're helpless and we've tried everything humanly possible to do? You know what he did? Dropped to his knees and he prayed. Too bad he didn't do that before he felt hopeless. But this is experiential. He's going to experience God. And sometimes God leads us and pulls the rug out from under us until there's absolutely nothing that we can do until we finally go to prayer. Genesis 32, beginning with verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Notice he doesn't say, My God. The Lord who said to me, now he's going to repeat back the promises, return to your country and to your family and I'll deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies, of all the truth that you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I've become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of, of the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered by, uh, for a multitude. Look what he's doing. He's repeating back what God had already promised him. But what he's saying, he says, I'm not sure if you're going to do that. I've tried everything, but now here's my brother. He's running up here. He's angry. He's got 400 men. Save me. Or will you save me? He's, he's basically telling God, you know, I don't think I've earned your grace yet. What, what more shall I do to earn your grace? So many times we try to bargain with God for His grace. And He repeats those promises that God had made to Him 20 years earlier. Those promises because He's afraid He hadn't earned God's grace yet that God's not going to fulfill them. And you know what happens next? The same thing we do, except not physically, but in our minds. He starts wrestling 
with God. You see, God had already made the promises. He doesn't need to wrestle with God. But he's not sure. And so he's wrestling in his mind, what more can I do? Where are you? How come you've left me? How come you're not here? We wrestle in our minds saying, God, where are you? When are you going to bless me? Look at all the trouble that I'm in. Where have you been? God says, now look a minute. Wait a minute. I told you, and I've told you over and over and over and over and over again. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I am your protection. I am doing things. I have promised you the promised land. Trust me. We don't trust. God says, I am going to do these things because I am the great I am. But we think we've got to earn it. We think we've got to pay for it. We think that if it doesn't happen our way, that God has left us. We don't want to trust Him. And He says, look, just trust me. I've got it all worked out. You know why? I'm God. You're not. And when finally wrestling, his hip goes out of socket and he can't physically do any more wrestling, he finally says, I'm not going to let go, God, until you bless me. In other words, God, I'm going to cling to you and hold on to your grace and what you do because it's not what we do that matters it's what he does on our behalf that's grace so now he's limping around and his brother comes and his brother embraces him that's not what he was expecting. He was able to move home. He was able to possess the land. He could bring his broken family, they had to split in two, to bring them back. Not from what Jacob had done, but for what God had done for him. How many of us have to wrestle with God in our minds and work ourselves up into such a tizzy until we finally say, oh, I can't do it, but you can. That's amazing grace. When we come to that realization, that is the grace of God that saves us. Brothers and sisters, we're going to look next week at another encounter that God had with someone else. And in that encounter, they discovered the grace of God. And I want that grace, that same grace, for all of us to discover in whatever way God has in store for us so that I have so much trust, I can be like those individuals that are there in, in front in the Roman times that are in front of the Colosseum and they says denounce Jesus Christ 
And they're killing their wives and their babies in front of them to denounce Jesus Christ. And they're sitting there and they say, This is my God whom I serve. Can we do that? That's the type of thing that we need to learn to do is to recognize the grace, the saving grace of God. The amazing grace. Let's turn in our hymnals to hymn number 108 as we sing that tremendous song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hymn number 108. Shall we stand as we sing the first, second, and last verse? First, second, and last verse. That's really amazing grace, isn't it? And that's what we've got to experience within our lives. We've got a, an experience here that we always hate to do, but this is the last time that Darlene's going to be playing our organ for us. She's retired and moving to Montana, and we're going to miss her. You wouldn't think by looking at her that she's even old enough to retire or even want to move to Montana. When you get there, place a rose by that uh, place with that elk that I killed up there and uh, let them know how sorry I was. But we're going to miss her.
but she's promised to come back and to visit. And again, we've been through a lot, but I just want to say how much I appreciate her. Shall we pray? Father, help us to experience your grace as we begin to learn more about you. Fill the emptiness within our hearts. Help us to trust in that amazing grace of yours. In his name we pray. Amen.